Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us on the podcast, Clint Greider. Uh, we get to sit down and talk, to, uh, talk about his book, Mind the Gap, Leading Your Church to Agility and Effectiveness in Any Environment. Really enjoyed this conversation with Clint. Uh, this is a different, it's a different conversation in the sense that he, he, points out that sometimes we need to consider uh, and to address the gaps between what we think we're accomplishing specifically in the church and in ministry and what we think we should produce and what's actually happening in, in people's lives. And he wants, he talks about the importance. We want to see deeper growth in people's lives. We want to see a, a greater impact for Christ. But how do we, how do we adapt to the challenges that we're facing? And um, it really is a conversation about mindset and where our mindset is. Are we willing to be adaptable? Are we willing to do some deep dive and look into um, our processes and the way we're doing things and and put that up against, is this really accomplishing what um, we wanted to accomplish? Is it really being effective to what God has called us to do? So really enjoyed my time with Clint, and I'm sure you enjoyed the conversation. Do want to ask you to continue to subscribe to the podcast. I know the ones that I subscribe to are the ones that I listen to. That way you'll get the new episodes when they come out each and every uh, Sunday. Do want to ask you also, um, if you have questions, to send them in for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we get to sit down with Dick Foth and get to learn from him. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. And welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. Excited to be here with a new friend today, Clint Greider. Clint, welcome to the podcast. So good to be here. Thanks so much for having me on, Aaron. Clint, um, you and I were talking a little bit before. Um, what are some good things you would like people to know that are listening into the podcast about you, maybe about your family, before we jump into some of the questions on uh, on minding the gap? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm from a, a higher education and nonprofit leadership background. So uh, I've got a master's in educational psychology and my doctoral research was in process improvement and group dynamics. And so I've always been fascinated by by the things that make people tick. You know, what are those those things that organizations or groups do uh, that either connect deeply or don't? And uh, so, so I worked in, in research universities and Christian universities, and over time, God called me more and more deeply into the church and ultimately surrendered into full-time ministry, uh, uh, was ordained as a pastor, served in the local church, also in parachurch ministry, working with hundreds of churches, and, and ultimately to uh, what I'm doing now, uh, which is uh, working with uh, a, a nonprofit ministry, a church consulting ministry, uh, working with, uh, with leaders to help them deepen in their effectiveness in ministry and discipleship. And uh, my bride, Kendra, and I have been married uh, over 30 years now. We have two married daughters. And, uh, and uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing journey uh, of God connecting the dots in a lot of wonderful ways. Amazing. So the journey from PhD into ministry, you, you went through that really quickly. Is there more of a story there on how you went from that to that? And yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I love that question. I, I was on what some people uh, said was on this fast track to become a university president. 
And uh, and so I was doing research, I was teaching, I was doing fundraising, because you've got to raise funds, right? If you're a university president and and digging into all this great stuff. And, and then I got a call one day, and, and there was someone who said, hey, uh, I, could could God be speaking to you about engaging in the ministry? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting how sometimes it can be a word or a conversation, or it can be an engagement with another believer, and there could be a person that God uses to begin stirring something bigger and deeper. And uh, right, you've had this happen <laughs> many times. I love I love your sure. story and yeah. your connection, uh, your connections. But it is uh, it, it kind of set Kendra and me on this journey to seeking God and saying, God, all of these things that you've been designing in terms of process improvement, uh, these are things that the church needs, that the that that ministry needs. And and so many times I would hear guys don't get this in, in training in their missionary training or or pastors who go to seminary. They don't get this in seminary. And so many of the things that uh, that worked in group dynamics are so biblical. Yeah. And yet again, if you don't get this kind of training or perspective, it sure. can limit and provide some barriers. So, yeah. so kind of kind of a fun process many years ago now of God leading me into ministry. Very exciting. Very exciting. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's fascinating. I, it's it's interesting for me to hear and encouraging for me to hear that people are hearing God's voice. And when God calls, as you said, you were on a track to university president at academia and, and that track. You heard God's voice. You followed that. And I think that probably resonates with many of the people that are listening into this podcast. Um, they wow. might have been on a, a track to something and heard the call to 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 missions or living overseas or in ministry in some way or maybe an, another area in the business world. But the obedience to God's God's call and the the ability to hear it and follow it and encourage you to do it is always, it's inspiring to me. It's inspiring Absolutely. to me. You shared at the beginning of the book about um, some of the people that uh, that impacted your understanding of this idea of minding the gap. Um, you listed several there. Will you just share about one or two of those? I, I love the personal, you share their names to me that, that there's a personal touch there. And I would just like for our listeners to hear maybe one or two of those people and how they, they, they've impacted your life. Yeah, yeah. Many of those uh, who I mentioned, actually, a good percentage of them are either pastors or leaders in the church. And, and, and my goodness, as I think back over the years, it really is pastors and leaders who have shared their passion for ministry, their passion for their calling. And yet, at times, their frustrations you know, that that it feels like, God, you're calling me to this, and yet there's some barriers there, there's some frustrations there. There seem to be these gaps between what I'm called to do and, and what is effective. I, I think of Jim Randall, uh, co-founder of Oxano, uh, and I were having a conversation uh, recently, and, and we were talking about people, how people need the hope of Jesus uh, the gospel of Jesus more than ever before today. Our world is so complex. It's changing so quickly. And and yet so many leaders feel that they don't know what to do to keep up with that. And so I've got quote after quote after quote, uh, all of us do, of, of leaders who have said, wow, we think we've been designing things to, to minister to people. Uh, we think we've been designing things to make an impact for the gospel. And, and yet as one leader of, of 20 years, pastor of 20 years in many successful churches uh, shared uh, with me. He said, you know, I came to this realization that we were designing things to create numbers instead of to transform lives. And that's when God began really opening up uh, powerful new ideas. Sure. 
And uh, man, it's, I, you know, I grew up in the church and uh, went to Sunday school. And I just look back on, you know, a lot of people dedicated, just poured into my life and those life. But some of the things we have in the church, you wonder sometimes if you look, you talk about effectiveness and are we doing it just to do it? Are we really doing it to transform and make disciples and see people follow after Jesus? Yeah. And um, yeah. so that's is, is, is it actually working? Yeah. 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 And and it, you know, I think that takes some self-awareness, that takes some vulnerability, it takes some openness to ask. Um, I've always said I think it's easier to start things than it is to decide that, hey, we need to stop because it's not working. You know, I mean, you invest <laughs> into it. And um, is there something in that with and you've studied it? I mean, is there something there on the academic side or for the your PhD study side of that tension of not wanting to stop something once we're started it, even if it's not effective? Is that a fair question? Yeah, yeah, it is. There, there are a number of biases that really uh, impact us and affect us as leaders. And I think the key is to admit that we all have them, right? Okay. <laughs> so there's this idea of, uh, of of normalcy bias, this instinctive belief that something, you know, if something unusual is happening, or we suspect something different may be going on than we would like. Uh, we we kind of say it really isn't happening. That this okay. this is the bias where if the smoke alarms are going off in a burning building. A yeah. lot of people have a tendency not to race True. out of the building. They tend to yeah. think, oh, it's just something else going on, right? Um, the the other bias that I think afflicts us very much as leaders is confirmation bias. Okay. And, and this is this idea. You've probably heard of this. This is where we weigh what we see and hear according to what we want to believe. Hmm. So we tend to minimize evidence that contradicts our opinion okay. and we maximize evidence that confirms it. So, so I, I think the big idea, and we may talk a little more about some of these gaps uh, here sure. shortly, but the big idea here is that we have to just be open in front of a holy God and say, hey, hey, God, give me what I need to know what is really going on hmm. in, in in people's lives and the people you're calling me to minister, not just relationally, yeah. but also at a deeper level of spiritual growth is the multiplication happening mm. or not. And we have to come face to face with our biases if we're going to go there. No, it's a good word. Good word. And a challenging word for sure. You share a quote that there has never been a greater disconnect between God's desired outcomes, people's life journey and what they actually experience through the church. Can you unpack that for us, that, that quote of the, the idea that there's never been a greater disconnect between God's desired outcomes, people's life journey, and what they're actually experiencing in church? Yeah, it, it really it really captures what I've heard over and over, that there are gaps between what the church is intending and what is actually happening in people's lives. So if we look at Scripture and we go to Scripture and, and we say, okay, God, what are these outcomes that you're really seeking? Well, what is Jesus teaching consistently, right? Example after example after example, he talks about shepherding and farming and building and fishing and all of these things. How does this translate to our lives? And so as we start to look at the overlap, we see some some pretty high expectations that that he's given us as the church and and we also see that today those outcomes aren't always realized they're realized in a few but not in the many 
And so, you know, once again, we all say we want to make disciples who make disciples, but many churches struggle to do that in a way that deeply connects and sustains through the whole congregation. They can give examples of a few, right? And we praise God for those. Absolutely. Then what we tend to do is we tend to assume that because we have a few stories uh, or even that we're getting greater attendance or participation in certain things, that that automatically is resulting in the outcomes that God teaches about and God is showing us in Scripture. And so, you know, we see dissonance. We see people asking questions. Is the church really for me? Even if I grew up in church like you did or I did, you know, we have questions. I don't know about this institution called the church, right? Lots of doubt about institutions in general in our world today. So all these things come into play. And if we don't have a way to clearly connect those thoughts, uh, leaders tend to struggle with the impact that they could have and the effectiveness that they could have. Yeah. Wow. And um, I think that directly applies, honestly, to to missions. Um, And and as we see, you're called, you're coming, you're called to do something, but that idea of examining, looking, and ultimately what um, Christ has has called us to do. I've said, you know, when you live on the mission field, you're about at 80% of your capacity um, on a good day because of just the cultural differences, the language differences, and everything else. And you can get into a place where you're just surviving. Um, and you're Absolutely. not actually following. You're not actually following through what God has, God has called you to do. And um, that's, I think, why that quote just jumped out to me. Um, just the idea of people's life journey and um, where they're at and what they're experiencing, whether that's church and the mission and what God's called them to do, for sure. You just got you. One of the the gaps you describe describe in the book is the awareness gap. What what exactly were you were you going for with an awareness gap? Um, obviously, I've read the book and uh, looked at it. But for those listeners in, when you talk about an awareness gap, what what exactly are you hitting on there? Yeah, so so the awareness gap is the gap between what we think is happening in people's lives as a result of our efforts and what is actually happening. Okay, and so kind of building on your last comment, it, it the enemy loves it for us to be busy at ministry and distracted from what God is calling us to actually do. (laughs) And and there's dissonance, even as I make that statement, right? Because because we sort of say, well, but ministry is what I'm called to do. Well, well, yes, it is. But when you go deeper into saying, what are the tools we really need to know the transformation that is happening in people's lives around us or not? Um, If we don't have those tools, we're not able to take those next steps to focus on the right things at the right time. Hmm. And so I can't tell you, Aaron, uh, and and you've experienced this too many times, uh, ministry is exhausting. Most people in the world have no idea about what it means like to walk through missions, to walk through church ministry, to walk through parachurch ministry, having a constant target uh, on your back. Uh, from the enemy, having to to work through, you know, kind of this 24-7 idea of, of the calling and the spiritual and emotional uh, warfare that we're in the midst of at times, right? Yeah. And so I think we have to be honest about that. But But the enemy tends to distract us from those things that are going to make the biggest impact. And once again, if we don't know what to focus on, we have a tendency to jump to things that we think works based on flawed definitions. 
Yeah. And so that's where the awareness gap, if we can begin and think, hmm, there actually are ways to tell yeah. <laughs> in, in a relational way, in a, in a journey based way, that's not weird or that does, you know, that doesn't that, that, that doesn't feel strange. It, there are ways to train those we're working with lay leaders and others to engage with us in this two way conversation to know on the ground in real time if what we're doing is working or not. Hmm. And that's what the awareness gap begins to get into. Hmm. Is there one or maybe one or two things that you would, when somebody that, that resonated with them, this idea of the awareness gap, one or two things maybe you could share on how they can begin to grow in that area or to recognize that. And you talked about some faulty definitions in there too. That was one thing that jumped out to me. Obviously definitions, if you're, you're going off a incorrect or faulty definition, the whole thing can crumble. Um, Specifically for scientific guys like you and I, um, a lot of, a lot of rises and falls on, on our definitions of, of what we're actually shooting for in our focus. But could you just share maybe one or two ideas on how somebody that really resonated with them, this awareness gap, something that they might be able to grow or maybe grow in the process of, of learning yeah. about that? Yeah, it's it's a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll build off on that quote I shared earlier from the pastor who who said he he kind of came to the realization that they were designing things to create numbers uh, instead of transforming lives. Uh, it, even though there were stories of life transformation along the way, he said that wasn't the widespread impact of what they had focused on. And and so he really came to one of the common things that we do, and, and we sort of go to this idea of attendance or participation at okay. the stuff we're doing equating to spiritual growth. Okay. And, and so now, now don't get me wrong. Participation is, is a vital thing that we measure. Sure. We want there to be growth in sure. people who are engaging with us. But, but if we don't have a way to get deeper in a very yeah. practical and personal way to know if that participation is resulting in something in their lives that then is multiplying the gospel through them, right, is actually equipping them to live it out versus nodding and smiling and enjoying your company, <laughs> right, which, which right. we want to, right? Sure. Uh, but but, but, but it, it could be an issue, and this is what that leader was talking about. Uh, uh, many other leaders I visit with will share that the idea of spotlighting stories can sometimes uh, trip them up. Mm. Um, uh, because we we want to use stories of life transformation uh, as examples, but most of us have have a few of those. But as we started talking about a little bit earlier, we we don't truly know if we're honest what the impact among many is. Yeah. And so so it, it's it's kind of this. So so think of this for a moment. Let's say you're a pastor of a church for a moment, and and let's say it's a a large church of 500 people involved in some way, shape, or form. You could put someone up on the platform every week for a year testifying to something God was doing in his life or her life or their family's life. And and we would praise God for those, right? But it only represents 10% of the overall group that you're ministering to. And so sometimes I'll challenge leaders in, in, in a group and I'll say, leader, are you judging your effectiveness by the 10% who are testifying to a changed life or the 90% who aren't? Hmm. Are you by assumption that because you have a few stories, you're just assuming that the same thing is happening in others? Now, I'm not saying it's not. Maybe it is. 
What I am saying is we have to be much more data-driven in a relational way, <laughs> okay? In a way that's consistent with, sure. with what Jesus teaches and Scripture teaches. But, but we need to be much more sensitive to having ways to know what truly is going on throughout those we're called to minister to. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I was in a, a meeting last summer, and I think one of the challenges, like, you know, I'm— uh, uh, nurse practitioner by background, work in dermatology. I know if I prescribe yeah. something, you can see the rash, you can see it get better. There's, you know, there's evidence of that. I think a yeah. lot of the times the the challenge is, and it's not an excuse, but it is uniqueness, I think, is we're not making widgets. So you're investing in people's lives and you don't, it's hard to like measure exactly where that life change is. And I think that's a, that's a stumbling block to me um, for this when we look at effectiveness when you're trying to figure out, is this making an impact? Um, will it make an impact down the road? Will it impact further generations? Because a lot of times you don't necessarily see, even I know from my personal family history, a lot of that, um, the impact that was, you know, 80 years ago um, or 90 years ago is still today, but the people back then maybe didn't see it. So anyway, I think that's one of the challenges. It's not an excuse. It's not saying it's it's impossible. But I do think it's one of the the differences. Then, if we're making widgets, we can see are the widgets selling, right? Or if we're making something and if sales aren't going up, it's easy to measure that data driven. But when it's spiritual and life change, sometimes it's metrics are hard. Does that make any sense? Yeah, let's let's actually go there because I think what you're getting at is the idea of relational systems. And okay. if we're going to be agile as leaders, we, we have to get more clear about what the system is that we're that we're engaging in. So, okay. so let let me just very quickly give you uh, give you a quick feel. I mentioned scripture and the idea of those ancient occupations. Let, let's start there, and then I want to give you some very specific, very personal uh, examples where I think it'll help make some sense. Um, you know, as as we as we do look at Scripture and we see in both the Old Testament and New Testament those wonderful ancient occupations that are consistently mentioned again and again. Have you ever thought about that? Mm. You know, we all, we all we many times we preach and we teach around things like the shepherding and the building sure. and the farming and fishing, you know, and the vineyards and all these kinds yeah. of things. But isn't it interesting how frequently those yeah. are used? And, yeah. and, and, and what's, what's fascinating is when you overlay those, you know, go back into these ancient occupations and you overlay those, there are some things that are very, very common throughout them that gets to this idea of relational system. Hmm. Uh, they all have patterned activity okay. that we pay attention to. They, they all require keen observation to everything going on, not just observation of a few of your sheep, not just observation <laughs> to what is happening on one side of the boat, right? That's good. <laughs> you, you, know, you, good. Know what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they, they require us to adapt quickly to circumstances. We mm. have to be prepared. We have to be agile. They require a handing down of practical knowledge. There's this beautiful training, this mentoring, this kind of disciple to disciple idea that's consistently communicated. And I, and I think a big thing is they embody a system, not systems, plural. Okay. Okay. There's 
So many times in ministry, we will have a system over here for this ministry that we're working on. And we try and run it well and do it well. And even if we have volunteers in that, okay, they're trying to do their part. Then we have a a ministry over here, you know, that's doing the same thing. And a ministry over there that's doing the same thing. And yet, even though they may talk a little bit at times and say, hey, we're all about the Great Commission, especially in a church context, if you don't connect those more deeply in a way where you know if they're having the intended results and the intended growth, of spiritual fruit uh, in people's lives, uh, then that's where you start to trip up because you start to spin your wheels and you spend time and resources on things that you don't know are really having the desired effect. So I told you I'd give you some very personal and practical examples. Let me share some of these with you. Um, the, The idea here is if we're going for certain destinations on people's journeys in life, um, churches need to get much more practical and personal about the way they articulate these. They've got to, they've got to. So let me give you just a couple of of phrases that some churches have used as, as I've kind of dug into this with them and I've kind of deepened this with them. Um, One church said, Hey, uh, uh, they they used it like this. They they phrased it in, in the first person. I find myself becoming more and more sensitive to the spirits prompting throughout my day. Hmm. So it's, so put yourself in a church as someone who's just come into this church over time, as you engage with the church, as you engage with the strategies, the ministries, the other things, are you finding that becoming always or often a pattern in your life? How about, I know the character traits of God well enough to discern between the Spirit's voice and other things I might hear or think. Hmm. Am I actually growing in that? Can I say that that's just sometimes or or every now and then in my life? That's good. Or am I growing into it? Um, how about when someone wrongs me? I find myself responding first with compassion and curiosity instead of in a different way, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or some churches will go toward rhythms in their life with family or others. Other churches will talk about how uh, individuals are cultivating genuine friendships with others who are not believers. Now, now in, in the mission field, that looks and feels sure. different, obviously, but because there are many, many of those. But hey, anyone who's listening to this, whether you're a pastor or a leader or a lay leader or just someone on a faith journey with Jesus, he is calling you uh, to be a leader where you are in your world every day. Yeah. How intentional are you being at the way you're engaging? So, I could, I could keep going. I mean, some will say I'm pursuing healing for specific areas in my life where I need transformation right now emotionally so that I can actually reach out to others. It gets very practical. Hmm. And many churches uh, don't go this deep in the way they're defining uh, the destinations that they're seeking to shepherd in people's lives. Does that help a little bit? It does. It does. And um, yeah, I could go 15 ways, but I won't do that to you. So... Uh, you're you're welcome to. <laughs> well, then, so have you found? You know, I think people we want to be effective. So barriers are there common barriers that people bump up against that you, you said we don't want it. We don't necessarily use these relational systems in in doing the deeper work. Barriers that you see that maybe are there. Maybe that goes back to the gaps. Um, you talk about the connectivity gap. Maybe that's one of the gaps that that leads to this of not going deeper. Uh, any any more thoughts there? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, the connectivity gap, and, and that's a good one that you bring up, that's the gap between misconnected steps or ministries uh, in, in okay. a church and a ministry that actually short circuits their effectiveness. Okay. So well, let's take a second. There, there's actually a metaphor I use uh, in the book that is helpful to a lot of people uh, as, as I describe it. And it, it's actually, uh, from, from London, the London underground. Some of your listeners might've been to London. Now you haven't been, you, you said yeah. you traveled, you passed through one time. Right. Uh, you, you've you've got to go. It's a great city, uh, a lot to love about it, but the London underground is the largest and oldest subway system in the world. So okay. put yourself in this massive, large city and, and, and pretend for a moment, you're going into one of the stations of the London underground and, and what you'll see emblazoned upon the platform and on the walls and, and even booming over the loudspeakers is this phrase, mind the gap. Okay. And so, so this is where the title of the book come, comes from, because it's a reminder that, hey, you've got to be careful of these gaps. The, the, the system is old enough where trains are coming in on curves. They're, they're kind of zooming in uh, on platforms, some of which may be a little bit higher, a little bit lower than others. And there's gaps you have to pay attention to. Um, but when you look at the London Underground, there, there's a structure of it that that I found relates very nicely to church ministry and the way we think about church ministry. Okay. And so leaders have to pay attention uh, to people's journeys as they're considering this. So uh, in the Underground, there are trains, stations, and destinations. Okay. In church and ministry settings, we need, need to connect people to the right stations to get okay. them on the right trains, yeah. to get them to the right destinations that God sure. has for them. So, so let's take, take just a second. Uh, destinations represent that ongoing spiritual fruit, examples mm-hmm. like we were just discussing. It gets much more specific. These could be personal habits or ways of living or even ongoing things that you're doing in a church or in a ministry that is supposed to lead to those destinations. Now, the big idea here, though, is you can't get people on the right trains if you don't get them into the right stations. <laughs> Very true. Not every station is going to lead to the trains yeah. that you're going for on somebody's sure. journey. Right. And, and, and so think of stations like the short term things that we do. So most churches, m- many ministries will do uh, special kinds of events. Right. Yeah. Uh, they'll do they'll do shorter term things. Does, does your church uh, engage in some shorter term things uh, sure. that you're involved in? Yes, for sure. Yeah. 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 So these can, you know, one church said, hey, uh, we have a lot of restorative ministries for four to six weeks at a time or sometimes longer, but they're not, not intended to go on forever. But sure. but these are the kinds of things that are intended to ramp people onto the right train. OK. And and so if we think of it like this, we, we start to think and say, you know, what engages people short term in things does not necessarily engage them longer term in an mm. outcome in their life. So this is the power of connectivity. This is the power to begin to look and say, what are the short-term things? What are those stations? You know, what are those waypoints that we're doing? And the book gets into this in multiple chapters, going into the criteria and the tools, ways you can look. You know, if if you're beginning to measure things, you can use surveys. You can use this thing I call the checkup loop that engages your lay leaders in ongoing conversation to talk to people more deeply. And when you actually get baseline awareness and find out where people are in relation to those first-person statements uh, that I just mentioned uh, and many others, uh, then you can say, all right, is it a problem with our trains? Yeah. Or is it a problem with our stations? Yeah. Or is there something about both we can tweak 
And there are very specific proven guidelines that help you to identify those um, uh, to get people on the right trains toward those destinations that you're actually seeking. Yeah, that's a good word. I, you know, I've seen in organizations and, and churches that maybe they'll do a survey or they'll do, they'll ask for feedback and then they ask for it, but sometimes you don't get the connection between what they got in the feedback and how they've changed going forward. Is that, is that common or is that maybe a barrier that we run into that we have the, the desire to do it, but then making the the next step would be it's not just to gather data, but actually to do something with the data we gather and to make the changes, um, you know, that need to be so that people are going to the right destination. Does that make sense? I I love that question. It, it really is an insightful one. Um, because where, where I will go with leaders and churches in this is to say your the intent is not to do a survey to ask people's opinions. Okay. That's not what the survey is. <laughs> That's great. Sure. You, if you want to do that, uh, you know, so for, for other things, great. Knock yourself out. Right. Uh, but, but here, these surveys w- would be, th- you know, maybe there's 30 or 40 or, or more of those I statements that relate to those very specific personal and practical outcomes that, that you're, you're seeking. And, and, and what you do is you foster an environment. Many churches actually do this as a part of worship, as an act of worship. It's not okay. just fill out the survey or send a link. It's actually do it within the context of, of worship and go through, mm. right? either online or in hard copy form and, and, and seek and pray a Holy God in your response to these I statements, where am I today? Really? Not what I used to do or what I've been intending <laughs> to do or, or what I've been right. Or, yeah. but, but where am I really today? God, God revealed to me, are many of these things, if I'm honest, are they not reflective of my life right now? And mm. if so, I'm willing to mark that. Yeah. And, and, and so it becomes this relational way to, to get real data from your entire congregation that gives you baseline awareness. But then here's the key, and this gets to the essence of your question, uh, Aaron, is you can't stop there. You can't just do a survey and say, oh, my goodness, these are the things we're doing well, and these are the things we aren't. That is yeah. only a stepping off point. Uh, what you do then is you train your lay leaders, and and, and uh, the book gets into this uh, in one of the chapters. How do you sure. actually put them to do this? Uh, because what you're doing is is your lay leaders uh, actually uh, you're you're helping to understand that our goal is not just to pull off a great event or okay. not just to pull off great worship services. Yeah. Our goal is to grow. Yeah. these I statements in people's lives. Yeah. And therefore, they can help you. They're the ones who are on the ground with others. And so you engage this checkup loop where as you're testing, you're trying things in different ministries, you're you're actually getting real-time feedback based on your different emphases on yeah. those I statements at different times and different seasons. Mm-hmm. And you're getting you're getting that again, the, the real-time feedback on the ground through your lay leaders to tweak it as you go. Yeah. So you actually know in real time, then, is it beginning to move the needle? Are, are, were mm. people not engaging in this, and now they're doing it sometimes? Praise yeah. God for that progress. Praise God for that growth in their life. Or, were some people engaged in it sometimes, but now it's become an often pattern? And then they're sharing these stories. And so you're able to get a much better feel across your entire congregation about what is working, what isn't, and what to spend your time on. Yeah. No, I appreciate you you sharing that it's, it's an act of worship. It's something that we take seriously. 
it's not, it's the intentionality of it. It's something that we invest in. Uh, I do think if, in my experience, if people, if you take surveys and nothing happens, people almost, it's like you plow ground. Uh, it's not the gospel, but the, the idea of you plow ground and the first time people are intentional, they they put in, they put their efforts into it. And then, but if nothing happens in it, then you come back with another survey. The ground's a little harder the second time because they think, hey, I did this and nothing. And then the third time and the fourth time, if nothing is planted, if nothing changes, the the soil becomes, you know, it becomes harder and harder each time. I do think, though, if um, if they see that, as you're talking about, the intentionality with lay leaders, with the leadership, I think it um, it incentivizes and encourages and celebrates that you know that they're being heard, and um, and that you're incur- you're 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 interested in them and how they're doing um, yeah. in the process. Does does that does that make sense? Yeah, and it really you know I think as you're sharing that it's important to realize that if you build a survey like this one in, in a relational way as an act of worship, what you're really doing is you're building a deeper look at what your discipleship pathway is going to be within your specific context. So so when I say survey, I, I mean this is designed highly customized. Sure. And and the book and the book teaches you how to do it. You yeah. can do it on your own. You can do exactly. it with counsel or help. Yeah. Um, but 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 the 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 point is not that you take a survey that some other church is doing somewhere else or some other ministry is doing and oh we're just going to apply it here. No, no. It, it's getting very specific uh, about what we think the most important things that we're called to here in our environment in our context and our and the vision that God is giving us here. What what does that look like? And so when you get the baseline of the overall and then you choose to focus on certain areas of it during certain mm. seasons, what yeah. you can then do is go back and, and 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 kind of get a look. Let's say you've had an emphasis. Let's say there's been three or four or five areas and those came up uh, as, as not really growth areas in your people's lives. Now, yeah. now some pastors are shocked by some of this <laughs> because they preached about it or they thought that yeah. they thought about it, right? Yeah. And so sometimes there'll be things in there that really affirm some things that they had a suspicion about and, and other times things that really uh, surprise them. But yeah. so let's say, let's say a church decided, all right, we're going to focus on these things during the season in, in our group settings and our worship, we're going to emphasize, we're going to go deeper. We're going to do different kinds of things, the kinds of events, we're going to put different stations in place to help people get on the train, some new ongoing habits in their lives or new ongoing discussions we're doing in, in, in our smaller groups or other settings. And and then, and let's say you emphasize this for a four to six month period. Well, then after that four to six months, you go back and you sort of retest those throughout your whole congregation. Now, you could do it by just doing a survey and worship again for those four to five questions. Yeah. But I actually encourage leaders to use the checkup loop I mentioned and to do it more relationally. Hmm. And so in groups, in other settings, you've already trained your lay leaders uh, of, of how to do this. It's 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 pretty exciting yeah. because they're talking with their people about it as you go and they can get feedback for where people are then compared to where they were as you entered into that season and then give you that data back. And again, praise God with that kind of intentionality, with that kind of thought provoking prayer and sensitivity to the spirits leading through those conversations, God moves in amazing ways because of the intentionality and you can see (laughs) the needle move and you can praise God. And then you move to other areas based on that continued feedback that you're receiving. So it, it starts to become much, much more, real based yeah. on the conversations you're having. 
So is that in our jargon, would that be moving from quantitative like data to qualitative? Would that be the, the relational, conversational? Is that more what you're looking for just rather than a checklist, but actually engaging people and talking to them and seeing how it impact your life and impacting their life? Is that would that be a fair? Yeah. It, it would be fair if if you're seeking. So you and I could probably nerd out on this, right? If we go, you know, you're too scientific. So we, you know, I could give you lots of specificity. That's there, right. But we'll get we'll get back. Many of your we'll listeners, yeah, many of your listeners may, sure. right? Yeah, they may they may or may not love that. But what I I will say this uh, that um, that when you use journey based relational yeah. personal statements and sure. you're and you're gauging those on on what some of your readers may be familiar with a Likert scale on an yeah. always to ever, yeah. you know, as you then go back and talk about them, it can be much more qualitative yeah. and relational because even the questions that you're asking, you know, as people are putting themselves kind of on yeah. that scale with each of those, uh, that is qualitative that's leading you to yeah. quantitative data overall, because then yeah. you can see different groups of people in the church and who are getting it, people who aren't and so forth. So yeah. does that help a bit? It does. It does. Clint, I've asked you a lot of questions that were on my mind. Uh, is there something you think, hey, Aaron, you should ask that question or something is on, on your mind that you would like to share or you think maybe would not to go with the theme, is there a gap that I missed? Um, we'll put the link to to your book in the show notes, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for us. But is there something you thought, Aaron, that would have been a good question, or I really think this would help um, tie a bow on it or, or something that I missed? Yeah. if You know, I just really want to encourage your listeners, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're in ministry, if, if, if maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're a missionary, maybe you're a leader in your church, um, or, or, or maybe you're just trying to walk this faith journey with Jesus right now, and, and, and you find at times that there is frustration in ministry. There's frustration with why certain things work and certain things don't. And and maybe you're a little frustrated with the complexity of the world today and you feel you're not as agile as you need to be. I, I just want to encourage you. God is calling you to something greater. Mm. He never desires to leave us where we are. He wants to draw close to us. Scripture tells us as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And yet he wants to do something with that. So I, I would really encourage you, if you're if you're listening to this and you have a passion for the church, uh, if you have a passion for ministry, uh, I would encourage you to, to get the book. Um, uh, as you mentioned, there'll be the website. It's gomindthegap.com, mind with a D. Go Mind the Gap. You can go there. You can get the book. Go on Amazon. Uh, search Clint Grider. That's C-L-I-N-T Grider. G-R-I-D as in David. E-R. Mind the Gap. Get the book. Pray through it. Go through it. If you have lay leaders or volunteers in your ministry, uh, I would encourage you to seek that kind of beautiful transparency that God is calling us to in ministry. Uh, because if we're significant in the way we approach that, He is going to use us and He promises to. Amen. Amen. Well, Clint, I appreciate your encouragement. I appreciate the intentionality um, of your of the book, what you're sharing, what you're um, moving us towards. Uh, it was an encouragement to me. And um, yeah, I, I nerded a little bit out, as you said, on the, the scientific side of it. it. At the same time, it made a, it, it helped connect some dots for me um, between my scientific background and the ministry background and some of the gaps that have been a, it, 
they've been a challenge for me. And so I appreciate um, the wisdom and insight you've shared. And uh, yeah, just uh, appreciate you. Would you pray for us today that God will okay. use what you've shared, um, that those who are listening in, as you said, maybe they're discouraged, maybe they're frustrated, uh, maybe they're doing phenomenal. Uh, but at the same time that you they will hear the wisdom and insight you've shared and they will apply it in their lives. Absolutely. Would, would love to, Aaron. Father, we we do just uh, lift our hands before you and, and we ask that you uh, fill us with your spirit. And we thank you for the way that you desire to move in us and through us every step of every day in our lives. I, I would pray for those who who are joyous today and who are celebrating you and, and who you've revealed yourself in very special ways to today, that, that, that you would just give them a smile and a continued special sense of yourself. And, and for those who, who may be challenged uh, in ministry today or, or maybe in life, maybe there's something happening uh, in someone's life who's listening to this right now that completely caught them off guard. I would pray that you would speak a special sense of yourself to them as well. May your, may your peace that passes all understanding just be a part of their lives. And, and may you remind all of us that you desire for us to be a catalyst in the world that you're calling us to, that you desire more for us than we could ask or imagine or think, and, and that you would lead us, that you would desire to lead us to a place of, of influence, of impact with others in our world that's even greater uh, than we could imagine. So, so Father, uh, may you just bless each one of us today, and may we be found faithful to what it is that you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, 